Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hello. Oh, interesting. Where did you learn beep boop bop? Because that's a go-to for you. Well, that was definitely something that I got a lot of flack for uh, because oh. of my, my favorite murders. So I'm not going to say it anymore. Oh, do they do it? Yeah, well, she does something. Georgia does something very similar. And I oh. think I just listened to that show so much when we were first starting the podcast that it got in it my head. It became part of the and, vernacular. And then I started doing what people pointed out was Blue's Clues. Do, 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 do. Like I started doing Blue Skadoo, You Can Too. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't realize it. Somebody messaged us about it, and then I couldn't unhear it. <laughs> and so, beep boop bop, I think is what Georgia said. So, this time I said beep boop. So, everybody oh. leave me alone. <laughs> oh, okay. You're right. Sorry. My bad for even causing <laughs> a ruckus. Well, you should have heard the one day My oh. Favorite Murder and us released the same true crime story in the same week. And I've, I've I've seen complaints about that before. We only, it only happened once, and we I feel got like people one think we're like. It. I feel like we're in a people think we're in a group chat with I my wish. favorite murder and morbid and all these other Seriously, podcasts. I feel and like apparently in, apparently think, we're all announcing like we're telling each other let's all release the same episode I'm on the same you, day. I think like I, I'm on. I feel like we're all each on our own little island and we can maybe yeah. wait to each other every now and then. But like we're very isolated because we're so focused on our own shows that I think you know we don't yeah, broaden just our to, horizons that much. Just a reminder to those that if uh, we all put out a story at the same time, it, it is truly just a fluke. We I don't did think not it's ever happened that. again. I mean, it okay. happened one time with my favorite murder, and that was like three months in to our show. Well, and I was like, oh, no. And now I'm well, like, whatever. I think that one time might have done a doozy on you when you're not aware of it, because I've heard you say a few times like, oh, I had notes for this, but I just saw another podcast just put it out like oh, last yeah. week. Well, and yeah. so I'm going to hold off now. I try like, to be like the podcast, especially that I listen to regularly. I really do try to make sure people who listen to the same ones aren't just getting the same story twice. Uh, but sometimes I wait. it's a topical story and That's like everyone's true. covering it, you know? So I, That's true. I usually wait a few months so that 
you know, I assume everyone else's brain is like mine, where it just loses all the information after a certain <laughs> point, and then I can re-entertain you with the knowledge, you know? Yes, understood. So anyway, hi. Hi. Why do you drink this week, Christine? Oh, well, I'm drinking um, iced coffee, and I'm still on that grind of daycares, and I have four oh. tours next week. <laughs> Or not daycares. It's like kinder. I don't know. See, this is the thing. I feel like I'm so out of my element. It's like Eva even had to put me in touch with her friend, Jenny, because I was like so like you were there. I don't know if you were listening. I was was there. You were there. Okay. Well, you were in the backseat of the rental car. And uh, this was pre-gasoline being gone (laughs) this is as the car was still moving across the canadian border uh but i i was like i have a question for you guys that like you don't know the answer to but i'm gonna ask you because i need to talk it out loud and it was just about like i'm waiting to hear back from this one day uh toddler program that starts in the fall and i asked for information and all they said was oh well we'll tell you when we know and i'm like okay could you tell me like a season, a month, like, is there any sort a of year. deadline? A year, like when? Because the program starts in August. If I find out August 1st, that's a little too late for me. Okay. Point being, I've just been like on edge. And so I applied to a few new places and I'm learning all this stuff that daycare is different from like a toddler program is different from preschool. I mean, I'm saying um, I feel like I'm learning so much useless information um that by the time you have any children just fucking facetime me and i got you <laughs> that's what i plan on doing with the house and a dog and uh, a marriage like, you know <laughs> in a marriage yeah i go i like listen anyone planning a wedding i've gotten some since i'm the first of my friend groups like get married and i mean not that i can think of any of my friends are married or engaged but uh, the ones that like some acquaintances have reached out to me and been like, you're the only person I know who's married. What did you do? <laughs> help and me, I was, help me. Help me. And I'm like, oh God, I, I don't want to delve back into that nightmare hellscape. But, um, you know, I'm here for you. I'm here for you, Em, if you ever need me. Um, Thank you. So far, you need I've... to hang a curtain? No. No. That's all. No. That's not what I'm going to call you for at all. Oh, okay. If I ever need you to just throw a nail into any part of the wall to hang any item, I yeah. will call you. Oh. But it doesn't I, have to be straight, right? <laughs> well, technically, if it's only one nail, it never needed to. You Thank never, you. But that's, that's the life tip for today, folks. Okay. Well, let's just move on because. <laughs> I <do> you drink? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is like such a stupid little reason, but uh, I, Allison and I cannot figure out. The weather in LA is very odd right now. And so our practices with the thermostat have been really weird and well, you run very hot right i run very hot uh and i'll go into a room and i'll be like aren't you like sweating your ass off allison and she's like in a five blankets like she's so cold <laughs> and so uh today the apparently things have changed because she seems easy breezy out there in the common room and my little tootsies are frozen so i'm I'm currently very cold, but I don't know why. I don't know why she's not much colder than me. It's very odd. That's why I drink. That's fascinating and thrilling all at the same time. I saw your eyes dying a little bit. I didn't. It, the, they didn't. The light, they're the alive. Light. Look, they're awake. <laughs> the, the light was going away. I could this feel it. This is almost it. as fascinating as the time you broke your glasses. 
<laughs> Wait, which time? Like it was with the, the lenses? Which time? That should tell you all you need to know. <laughs> um, it was the time when we were on with Wine and Crime and you spent approximately 13 minutes I had to cut out of you talking about your glasses. And then one of them said, like, my cat died. And we were like, well, cool. Wait, what? I don't even I don't remember know. that conversation. It wasn't a cat dying. It was it was like you you know, we do why we drink this week and we all kind of had an answer and then yours was like about your glasses breaking and then one of the wine and crime gals had like a much more intense reason and we were like, We we look like assholes. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed when I No, I don't know why I'm shaming you. That's the whole point of the show is to just no, talk no, no. about dumb things that I was gonna say, I'm so embarrassed when I realize how long my tangents can be oh I, they go long i mean i know but it's, i don't it's, edit anymore so like i don't they don't as much bother me they used to bother me because i'd be sitting there at three in the morning like when is this gonna end like because i've already listened to it once in real time um but now you know i just ride the wave baby thank you i it definitely uh it should have shocked no people that i had undiagnosed adhd for a long time <laughs> um <laughs> anyway i try to be more aware of it now but it's it still comes out every now and then no anyway. i love it I, the people love it explore new possibilities pleasure zones and find your vibe at funlove.com funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products offering a wide array of premier brands of toys lingerie and accessories I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Fun Love. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first. And then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything I'm telling you from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Juni, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Well, I have uh is a two-parter, remember? This is a yes. technically a two-parter. Um, and it's not ley lines. No, but that could be next week's. Mm. If you if it means a lot to you, which I know it does, so probably it will be. Don't the... stress yourself on my account. I think that I was might. a lie. That was yeah. a lie. <laughs> I, I did. I... I said it, and I was like, "That wasn't convincing whatsoever." I know both of us well enough to know that if it's important to you, I'm going to do it. So, um, <laughs> so that'll probably be next next week's. But this is kind of a weird continuation from the last episode, which we were talking about crossroads um, mm. and liminal spaces. And I feel like I still. I did so much like research on it, but then I still feel like I barely covered it. It's so weird. It was just. Can like, I it's... say something kind of on that note about crossroads that I thought of? What? I just was listening to this. Always happens. Speaking of also, this is a bizarre, I guess, synchronicity. Um, but a lot of times when I listen to lore, the podcast, like things that we just talked about or just mentioned, show up, and it's. I listen to a bunch of podcasts on the same creepy topics, but for whatever reason, I always feel like lore and our show is like kind of intersecting. Well, it's because we're in that group chat with them and we, you know. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> we're all on the same island having a luau together. You know? Yeah. But so I was listening to lore and we were doing our big hangout session on the beach, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. And he mentioned the word, I think he mentioned the word crossroads. And I was like, whoa, that's trippy. And it was this morning on my way to story time. Um, and he said he made a point of oh no he said liminal space and he was talking about childbirth and I was like oh my god what what, what a crossroads think about it like that is wild having <laughs> even just wrote into slack microphone mishaps <laughs> <laughs> she's probably trying to rescue me thank you Eva um so so I thought wow what a, it's like another crossroads like another liminal space like from the womb you're like between worlds almost well i want to say interesting that you mentioned that but really i can't be that surprised because i literally am doing a continuation episode on it oh okay but, you don't seem impressed by my cool fact at all no but, no, no okay it's fine no, no no i'm trying to relate it to the notes i'm about to do but like you've already nailed it like we're gonna talk about exactly that it's so it is very childbirth odd. i don't want to do that childbirth for like a split second Okay. But like but the the concept of like just like how we were saying last week liminal spaces can be something as like like your own body parts are liminal spaces and like just it's all based on perspective but even you know another maybe more obvious crossroad is moments of transition and changes. <gasps> so wait, um, what's the topic for today? So uh since we were talking about crossroads last time, one of the figures I was right. mentioning last time um was the goddess of crossroads or i guess there's a lot of different deities depending on uh you know your your culture there's a different god for crossroads but one of the oldest standing ones is hecate who right. is the goddess of crossroads and she childbirth is involved interesting so is that like a double layer synchronicity yeah i don't know maybe triple because i was we we just spoke about how sometimes so how we worry about other podcasts talking about the same topics. It's all intertwined, baby. Feels like a synchronicity sandwich and you're the meat. I don't want to be that this, part. Well, <laughs> this episode and last episode are the bread and you talking about it in between is... Can I be the Dijon? The, yeah. Well, okay. sure. Okay. I. 
this is also topsy-turvy. You can be whatever you want to be, Christine. Thank you. Do you like Dijon? Love it. I'm okay with it. I love all mustards. <laughs> I like all mustards except normal mustard. Uh, you don't like yellow? Nah, I'm a, I'm, oh. a, I'm a French. I'm a spicy brown. You know, I love a yellow mustard, man. I used to actually say in elementary school that mustard was my favorite food. And it really, looking back now, it makes sense why I didn't have any friends. But I would also not be your friend, I think. My, you wouldn't have been. <laughs> my about me, literally, remember those posters you'd make? Mine literally said, my favorite food was mustard. <laughs> you, got a, you got a weird life, Christine. I feel like... <laughs> If I, I don't know. I think in today's world, I would want my child to be friends with that child. But yeah. I don't know if, as the child, I would have been super ready. I feel like there were one or it. two teachers who were like, I get it. But like 99% of my teachers were like, this freaking freak girl, get her out of here. If there were two kids in that class, though, when mustard was both their favorite food, oh my God, that's <gasps> like written in the stars. I swear to God, it's fate. Anyway, back to Hakate. Okay. <laughs> so if anyone out there was like, I also wrote mustard on my. Reach out. Maybe we're long lost twins or soulmates or something. Yeah, yeah. You can be in on the group chat we've been talking mm. oh, about. Oh, yeah. You come to the luau. It'll be great. Bring the mustard. <laughs> so, uh, Hakate, I have a um, a fun fact going into it, which is that William Shakespeare has mentioned Hakate in Macbeth, A Midsummer Night's Dream, and King Lear. Whoa. Uh, and then another fun fact is that her name lends itself to the word hecatom. Hecatom? Hecatome, which means a sacrifice of a hundred. <gasps> so a lot of times people would sacrifice a hundred for Hecate, a And because a hundred is like written into her work, into her name, the 100th discovered asteroid was named Hecate. That's so lovely. I love it. Yeah. And interesting because her mother is the goddess of astrology. So. Okay, so it's only fair. Well, double fun there. Mm -hmm. I like how she's the literal goddess of astrology, and her daughter gets the name of the asteroid. Though she's like, well, what what's the, the fuck? What's her name? Our, oh, uh, maybe she got something too. <laughs> I'm a dumbass. Her name is Asteria. Like fucking I was gonna asteroid. say, I feel like maybe she already <laughs> got her name in there. I assume <laughs> if she's okay. <laughs> I, I just wanted to touch on that just in case. Okay, thank you because otherwise you would have brought it up later. <laughs> So, again, from the last episode, Hecate is associated with crossroads or liminal spaces and in Greek mythology is known as the goddess of crossroads. Um, she is I planned on this whole episode being just about her and crossroads, um, it, which it like, I guess, is like a subtle layer over everything the entire time. You'll see crossroads as a general theme. Mm -hmm. But damn, I made a good call last week by not going in depth on her. Um, because there would have just not been enough time. This girl has a lot going on. So <laughs> not only is she like, I can't, I, like I, when I first hear like goddess of crossroads, not to be like, not to judge crossroads, but when I hear the goddess of crossroads, I'm like, ugh, like you're only the goddess of like, like if you got selected for that, that in class, you'd be like, really? Like I yeah. want an interesting topic. I know what you mean. Well, Again, thank God I made this call last week because this girl, the Crossroads is the least of her fucking worries. She is the goddess of, I'm not kidding, everything. <gasps> and like started out that way as everything. Over time, she has slowly dwindled and has become known for certain things. Okay. But 
at the beginning of time, she like predates several of the other gods. And so for a long time, she was just in charge of <gasps> fucking it all. And now she's just delegating. I love that for her. Now she's just, you know, she's climbed her way up. That's she's important. really, she's defined her role. Um, but so what she is currently known for in today's like witchcraft circles, she is known as not really the goddess of crossroads anymore, but as the goddess of magic. Literally the goddess of fucking magic. Cool. The, Casual. The goddess, the goddess of witchcraft. So if you're a witch, she's the one you got to pay attention to. Um, she's the goddess of the night. She's the goddess of the moon. She's the oh goddess my of... God. She's the goddess of ghosts. Ah! And she's the goddess of necromancy. Like, oh, how, how I stumbled upon her. How we haven't may never know. stumbled upon her yet until I now is shocking. The goddess of ghosts. I feel like that should have been like the first thing we ever paid attention to. Seriously. She's also the, this kind of falls more into crossroads world. She's the protector of the household and family entranceways, transitions, and mm. thus crossroads and liminal spaces. She was one of the few who could, this we'll talk more about this, but she is one of the few deities ever who were able to move between worlds. Ooh, and that's cool. And that probably leads into now why she's known for necromancy and ghosts, because she was able to interact with the living and the dead. <sighs> Thus, her liminal space as someone who could go into liminal worlds. Oh, so, that is very cool. She also is able to control other people's passageways. And so that kind of over time um, morphed into us thinking that she can also pass on her gifts to other people. Mm. So, um, and she's also known as breaker of chains and could remove bindings that were holding you back from further into your journey. Ooh, that's deep. Uh, so I think I'm going to say this wrong. The Chaldean oracles. I think it's Chaldean. Chaldean oracles. Okay. So those were, uh, second century magical texts. And in that, that it's one of the, um, pieces of literature she's best known for being written about in mm. and this is in the second century it's farther 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 into the future we've already got like years of knowing who she is but this one text describes her probably the best compared to anyone else which basically said she is the liminal space between concept and creation <laughs> okay your my brain it's not feeling good it, it's hurting a, a little bit <laughs> AKA she's the key holder of the cosmos. Oh my God. This chick is busy. And uh, they even in the, these texts, they call her the savior and the world's soul. No pressure, by the way. I know. So I guess in, in those writings, uh, it was that there's one God who was all about the ideas of creating a world. And then there was another God who actually would, materialize the world and she was the mediator between them <gasps> so she's Whoa. able to understand the intellectual side of things as well as the material the side practical of side whoa mm -hmm. listen <sighs> her name means worker from afar and she has had as i just said extensive powers in all realms like childbirth to the ocean to i mean she's all <laughs> over the place um and so that has caused a lot of confusion because she's often conflated with other deities that are best known for certain things. Oh. So like she's 
she's the goddess of the night, but also there's Nyx, who is literally the goddess of night. So um, I think the story goes that before all these other deities came about and kind of selected one, she was just in charge of it all until other people started getting assigned stuff. Okay, got it. Before it was delegated. Mm -hmm. And so because she had so many abilities um, and she was just so far reaching in her power... It also led to her still, to this day, being worshipped in countless ways. So some people worshipped her for one thing versus another mm. or for all things. So that's what we're working with. It's a lot of options. A lot of options. And because uh, we don't know much of her origin, she's considered much older than a lot of gods of the Greek pantheon. So she's the only child of the titans Persis or Perses and Asteria. Perseus is a titan who was the god of destruction and peace, which is interesting that her own father had a duality thing <gasps> going on. Ooh. And then her mother is Asteria, the goddess of astrology and the stars. Um, her cousins were Apollo and Artemis, although they were both often conflated with Hecate. So, mm. um, for example, Apollo and Hecate could both, they both had the gift of prophecies. Um and then there's one theory that Artemis and Hecate were actually the same person at one point, and then over time oh. they became two different characters. Interesting, because I know Artemis, but mm -hmm. I did not know Hecate very well. Yeah, and uh, I guess Hecate and Artemis are very similar, but Artemis was perceived as a very lovely, beautiful being, and Hecate over time became like this darker figure. I love um, her. <laughs> I love her too. I bet she liked mustard as as a kid. Oh, you know she was team mustard. I bet her about me said that too. <laughs> her away message was BRB eating mustard. <laughs> Hit the cell. Um, so during this is the first time that we really see um Hakate's uh I guess liminal status because even though she was uh she was created by Titans during the war between the Giants and the Olympians, she defeated the giant uh, named Clytius, and she earned all of the Olympians' respect because she actually helped Zeus, um, but Zeus and the Titans don't usually get along. So because she helped Zeus, Got she it. was the only Titan who was not banished to the underworld. Oh, lucky duck. Which is ironic because she later becomes so associated with the underworld. Right. Because she's able to go between both of them. But I wonder if that's also why Zeus didn't banish her there. Because, like, she could just come back she whenever just she whoop. wanted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like grounding someone with, like, an open window. It's like, yeah. um, I'm just going to leave again. But whatever. I was trying to think of an example. But I think that's probably the best one. Yeah. Well, Zeus really, really respected her after she helped them. And even shared with her, I think only her the gift to be able to take and give things away from humanity. Ooh, that's dark. Purely at will. If she, if like all the way to, if someone wasn't worshiping her the way that she wanted, she could like cause fucking evil on them. Like she could. Wow. And so Zeus really like had a soft spot for her and was like, you and I can do this and no one else. <laughs> um, she was also a mediator between the Titans and the Olympians. Um, so that was a way that She's she was. good at that mediating thing. Very good. It's almost so. I saw one article which was very clearly like a modern day witch was writing about Hakate because like at one point it was talking about how Hakate was dressed. <laughs> and the description was like, 
this is her drip. Like this is what her drip would like. <laughs> I was like, okay, girl. But so uh, they they did a really good job of saying it's interesting that she was known as a mediator while also being the goddess of um, like thresholds and crossroads and the common word between those two things being boundaries. Ooh, I need her in my life. As we know, I have no boundaries whatsoever. Well, I'm... so she's able to give like physical bound or protect physical boundaries, but also like mediating Ugh. emotional boundaries. Hakate, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, help. <laughs> so she's able to talk to the Titans and the Olympians with respect. She's able to go between the realms. She can talk to the living. She can go to the underworld. Um, mm. she can really, she's really always an in-betweener and all the stuff that she does. Um, and although she was said to not have any children, other texts later suggest that she did have kids, but I think it might be like symbolic kids or metaphorical kids, or they were really close. Maybe it meant goats. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure it did not. Uh, well, so one of them was, I'm going to, I think I'm going to say it wrong. Cersei. 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 Okay, so some sources say that that was actually Hecate's daughter. Mm. Um, Others say Medea, who is like the most powerful witch in Greek mythology. Mm -hmm. They say that she was either her daughter or niece and also her priestess. And Medea even credits Hecate for giving her her powers. (gasps) And they both share magical abilities and necromancy, the night, sleep, and herbalism. Dang. Power power mother-daughter duo. Yeah, they're just, you know killing the parent kid game (laughs) so where Hakate originally comes from so there are a few theories but she comes from either west anatolia which is like today's turkey Mm -hmm. um egypt or greece so the greece theory is there's two greece theories one is that she was the princess named Ephigenia, but then turned into a goddess by artemis oh Another Greece theory, scholars have noted that Apollo, see Apollo and Artemis keep coming in, so they all get kind of mixed with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, scholars note that Apollo was occasionally given the name Hekatos instead of <gasps> Hekate. Oh! So some believe that Hekatos and Hekate may have once actually been the twins instead of Apollo and Artemis, um, <gasps> especially since they have this similar, they have similar powers of prophecy. That is so interesting. But eventually, Hakatos wasn't really that big of a name for Apollo. And so they're just like, oh, maybe they're cousins. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, the Greeks over time focused more on Artemis's purity and positive aspects, like I said earlier. And they made Hakate more of a darker person. So yeah. even any theory of Artemis and Hakate being the same person ended up not falling through. Then there's the theory that she originally comes from Egypt because um, there was a frog-headed goddess in Egypt named Hiket mm. who actually breathes life into babies at birth. Oh. And because of this, Hikate is now associated with frogs and being a guardian of midwives and childbirth. <laughs> frogs and childbirth. <laughs> what a combo. <laughs> well, so it's. I think it's... I guess they can't tell, like, maybe Hakket is different than Hakate, but if she really came from Egypt first and then came into Greek mythology, that's why they're piecing her together with the frogs. And because not only was Hakket a frog-headed goddess, but frogs are one of the only animals that can live between two different worlds (gasps) of earth and sea, or, you know, land and water. 
Oh, you just blew my mind. I didn't even think of that. So they uh, that's another reason why frogs are associated with her. And then again, midwives and childbirth, because if she is also the same goddess as Heket, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then on top of everything else, she's also in charge of babies being born. And you're like, oh, I forgot. She had a frog for a head. That's just yeah, a yeah. minor thing we forgot to mention. Yeah. Like, that's the one, that was the detail that almost didn't get written. Yeah, in. like, yeah. that seems important, guys. <laughs> well, so out of all the origin stories of her, the main theory is that she's from West Antolia, again, roughly Turkey, um, because they that area had a really close tie to Greece at the time, and she would have originated in an area called Caria, um, which uh, and then she would have come over to Greece uh, from that area during the Archaic Age, or at least her story would have shown up. Got it. So the first time we ever have any knowledge of Hecate is 7th century BCE. Whoa. And she first appears in the work the- Theogony. I hope I'm saying that right. If that sounds right to me. It's, uh, it's, I don't know, but it sounds How smart. Would- how would you pronounce the guy H E S I O D? Hesoid? That doesn't sound right. To no, me. no, no. This is like Hermoine all over again. Hesiod. Hesiod? Okay. Uh, well, he wrote Theogony, and in it, he kisses Hecate's ass. Like the I even he kisses her. I was like, oh, it's a romance. Okay. <laughs> no, like kisses her ass. Got literally, it. just kisses her ass throughout this. Like such a brown noser in this whole writing. <laughs> Even historians are like, he literally dropped everything he was doing in this book to just talk about how great Hakate was. I don't blame him. I mean, she's pretty baller. I think I'd write a book about her. And honestly, if if he thought she was real, like maybe you want a brown nose a little bit Mm -hmm. so the goddess of everything doesn't hurt you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he also wrote about her uh, when talking about the giants versus the Olympians. Then... You know, the the next century over in 6th century BCE, the oldest physical evidence of her exists, which is a terracotta statue. Okay. Another century over in the 5th century BCE, her statue is placed at the entrance to the Athenian Acropolis. Oh. So those are the first big things we see her in. But one of the writings she's most popular for is the Homeric Hymn to Demeter, which is the story of Hades and Persephone. I don't know if you know that one. Uh, yes, I do. Um, do you? Yeah, because I was just telling, <laughs> this is so random, I was just telling my mom, um, because she, okay, we were eating a pomegranate, or we were talking about pomegranates. Aha, uh-huh. I and, see where this is going. Okay, but get this, apparently what? the German name for pomegranate is paradise apple, and she went, oh. I don't understand why it's called that, and I was like, I do, for once my seventh grade Latin came through, anyway. Um, so I do vaguely know the story. Well, for those who don't know, uh, and if you have to use like Hercules, Disney Hercules imagery for this, oh, I point. had to. So because we're about <laughs> to talk about Hades and I did think of him with blue hair the entire time. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Hakate is most known for this story. And Hades, he stole his niece. He kidnaps his niece. His niece's name is Persephone. Right. From her mother, Demeter. Mm-hmm. So Persephone, who's getting kidnapped by Hades, she's crying out for help. And Hecate and this other god named Helios, they're often paired with each other because I think she had the gift of being able to, I'm going to butcher this, but for some reason their powers worked in conjunction with each other. Well, Helios, Uh, like for sun, I imagine, and she had the moon, right? So maybe. Yeah. And also he, his powers were brighter during the day and his 
hers were brighter during the night. Uh-huh, so they were so always kind do, of <gasps> love it. They had like a twin telepathy kind of thing going on without really being twins. Yeah. So when Persephone gets kidnapped by Hades and she's crying out for help, Hecate, with her gift of prophecy, is able to hear it happening <gasps> from somewhere in the world. Helios is able to see it happening. Uh-oh. And Demeter, when she finds out that her kid is gone, she's looking everywhere for Persephone. She's looking everywhere. Hecate eventually appears to Demeter with torches in her hand and tells her, I know how where your daughter was kidnapped. I, I heard the abduction happening. Let me let me help you find your daughter. Oh my gosh. So now Hecate and Demeter are looking everywhere. Hecate leads her to Helios, who says, I actually saw what happened, and I can tell you that it was Hades who kidnapped your daughter. Um, and also Zeus was like wildly involved. So uh <laughs> Because of this, Demeter, I think she was the goddess of ag- agriculture or something, and she just, like, rips the fucking world apart, um, which is an actual quote from the source I used, like, rips the world apart. This might be the same source who used the word drip. I was going to say, <laughs> did it say rip the world fucking apart? Because that it sounds like <laughs> the same person. <laughs> uh, and so, basically, she just, like, tears the world apart looking for her kid or, like, you know, just being pissed and, like, trying to prove to Zeus, like... Yeah. Stop your bullshit with Hades and eventually come help me. So she's ripping the world apart until eventually Zeus commands Hades to give Persephone back. Um, and by now, Hades is actually given Persephone a pomegranate. And it ended up splitting her soul into a mortal half and an immortal half. And now part of her is always stuck in the underworld. Wow. So even though he's supposed to give her back, part of her is stuck in the underworld. So Hakate becomes Persephone's companion anytime she has to go back and see her other half in the underworld. Whoa. And because of this story of Hakate guiding Persephone's mom, Demeter, with the two torches, she is now very often depicted in imagery of her holding torches. In her okay, hand. that's cool. So after the, that was like one of the main stories of her in Greek mythology, but after the Romans uh, defeated Greece, a lot of their ideas merged together to, and that included a lot of Greek mythology went into Roman ideals. So Hecate became part of Roman beliefs, but her name was changed from Hecate to Trivia. Whoa, what? Which is weird because you would think trivia, like pub trivia, but apparently trivia trivia, for sure. (laughs) But trivia means three roads because her power, <gasps> because trivia. of her power. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I never thought about that. Because her power was associated with crossroads and she was most powerful at three-way crossroads. Oh my God. Even though that's the penis one? That's the penis one. Yes. Okay. I got it. <laughs> just check. <laughs> From our previous episode. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening backwards, just don't worry about it. <laughs> Well, now I kind of hate the patriarchy because what I learned in this is that, you know, she's one of the reasons that three is such a divine number now. But I hate that, like, three-way intersections that represent men is the divine one versus the four-way intersection that represents women. Yeah. It's very confusing. Anyway, she was known as Trivia until 7th century AD. So quite a fucking long time. Wow. And now these are just some of the symbols that she's associated with today. Obviously, torches because of that last story. Frogs because of <laughs> Heket, the Egyptian goddess, and because it can travel between two worlds. 
And she's also known uh, for any wild animals at all. They are all sacred to her, but especially nighttime owls, or, or not nighttime owls, nighttime animals, including owls. Possums. Uh, your favorite. I fucking guess possums. Uh, <laughs> and the ones that I also have written down are snakes and ravens. Um, oh, my other favorite, ravens. <laughs> Uh, but owls, especially because, you know, they're a symbol for wisdom. And since she had the gift of prophecy, she knew all wisdom of what is, was, and will be. Whoa. Also, owls signify an um, impending death. Hmm. So. That's a good. I thought that was crows. No, owls are often seen before, like, oh. at least there's different, I know there are a ton of different legends and myths about this, but uh, at least in Germany, from or Bavaria, from what I know, th- three hoots of an owl means someone's about to die. Oh, good to know. Oof. Yeah, plug That's your ears, a- I guess, if you're in the woods. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. So another big symbol for her is black dogs. She was <gasps> often seen with two dogs next to her. And you could even, in a lot of stories, hear them barking or howling before you actually saw her. Ooh. So they were the, the three hoots, if you will. The three hoots. <laughs> um, dogs are often her- accompanying her because they are guardians just like her. And the dogs, uh, one of the dogs was said to be, this is like such a wild story, um, that one of the dogs was said to be the Trojan queen who she ended up saving and turning into a dog. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> Just going to go with it. Cool. And because of, uh, because of this dogs, this, this part you're not going to like, but because of this dogs for a while, we're using sacrificial rituals in her oh, name. Right. Um, but there were other people who would leave offerings at crossroads for Hakate and extra for her dogs. So well, that's nice. Kind of a, yeah. you know, uh, the association with dogs might actually also come from, um, so there's the dog Cerberus, who is the underworld's guardian dog and had right. th- three heads. Think Fluffy from Harry Potter. Yep. Um, and so a lot of people think that, think dogs because Cerberus was a guardian dog of the underworld with three heads. And Hakate was a guardian of places, including the underworld. And sometimes she had three heads. She did? Were they frogs? I'm so confused. (laughs) My God, there's so many things to follow here. So this is because uh, she was a what's considered a single goddess for a long time, which was that she was just like she appeared as an individual. Okay. Um, And well let's get back to the three heads thing i want to finish this off real quick so we have okay. an order to things um don't forget the three heads thing i know you no, won't. i certainly won't so uh other animals that she is seen with is the pole cat because apparently she saved another witch or goddess that and then turned her into a pole cat and other friends what's a pole cat apparently it's like a weasel oh okay which i guess it's a cat shaped like a pole that makes sense <laughs> i guess so when you put it that way it's only logical if animals were just like named named by their shape it would make things a lot easier for me yeah yeah i like it um 
You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things, but Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code DRINK. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So she is known for, again, the torch. But the torch is important not just for the story with Persephone, but because it is uh, a liminal help to light and darkness. Uh-huh. Also, she's known for a key, which is her opening gates to other worlds. She's known for the cross for crossroads. She's also known for a knife and rope because since she's still associated with childbirth, it's cutting the umbilical cord. Oh, I and was then- like, what is the knife and rope going to be <laughs> used for? Okay, I get it. I guess symbolic. She's also known for a snake, for her dark powers, and then mm. she's associated with the pomegranate for what Persephone ate. Um, plant-wise, she's also known for cypress, hazel, willow, and then yew, Y-E-W, because mm. it's half poisonous and half not, and then <laughs> and then black poplar because it's half light and half dark. Wow. Uh, so now let's get into the three faces. Dude, thing. she's so, pretty badass. I love her. I'm so, into it. As for the three faces thing, uh, she's often described as a single formed goddess or one being, but eventually her image morphed into more of a symbolic version of her where she was a triple formed goddess, which meant that she either was one being with three heads all facing in different directions because she could see all directions of the world, or she was three bodies standing back to back all kind of <gasps> looking in different directions That's as a single cool. as a single unit. So 
this was pretty common with a lot of gods or goddesses that they were like sets of three think of like because i'm a five-year-old and think of in disney hercules the fates oh sure. they are technically one goddess but they're a triple formed goddess where they're three beings all together um so in that respect she was originally like in her first evidence of her just being like a terracotta statue it was just one person but over time she became this image of three beings all being together sometimes um if she was just one being with three heads it symbolized her looking in different directions simultaneously and sometimes even the animals she was accompanying or that were accompanying her also allegedly had three heads and so i think that's why a lot of people associate cerberus with her and think dogs are a symbol of her um there are other reasons why she has been given this image so that there are three aspects of hakate being recognized all at once so for example she can see the past present and future another one is uh early on she was given the power over the sky the earth and the sea also because she's the goddess of the moon she's in charge of all three phases Mm. so all these things just kind of are all reasons why she got to have three heads compared to other people um and at three-way crossroads she's considered the most powerful compared to other crossroads and greeks would often leave three masks on a pole um each facing a different way on a pole or pole cat important distinction if the pole meows that's how you know (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay, just checking. So because of this, she helped the number three become a divine number. And one of the rituals that a lot of people would do for her is called uh, Diepnon. And it's this ritual where people would go to crossroads and leave food for her and her dogs. And it was often on the last night of a lunar month. And it was sometimes used just to cleanse evil spirits, but it was also... uh, Right, be- it was also used before somebody started on any type of journey, physical okay. or mental. Oh yeah, so, you mentioned that I think last time. Yeah, so it was if it's a physical journey and they're going on a trip, or if it's a mental journey, like they're about to make a big decision. So I'm always um, going on a mental journey. <laughs> you could really this show use is a mental these- journey, honestly. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's Thank how you. we should have titled it that a long time ago. I don't think so. <laughs> a journey. A colon a mental journey. Mostly mental. <laughs> a parentheses mental journey. <laughs> so because she was the goddess of prophecy, people looked to her for protection, which is why they would do these um rituals at cross at physical crossroads for her. And being linked to liminal messaging and to travel her and hermes are often paired together and their statues are often placed together for protection in certain areas and her her statues are also placed at city gates doorways any entryway including like private homes um even like i said uh the crossroads near the acropolis um so she's just all over the place to protect physical thresholds while being known for all of her Mm -hmm liminal abilities and then the last thing i'm going to say before i end is um on witchcraft which thanks to her powers giving her access to the underworlds her goddess role over time morphed into more of a witchcraft icon okay by the medieval period she was mainly known as a goddess of witchcraft the moon and then similar themes and plus during the dark ages women were being demonized so her association to witchcraft really like solidified her as like a hag look so now a a lot of times pictures will have her looking like kind of the old crone um and that really started in the medieval period i don't know about that 
What? I don't know how to feel about that. Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it, but also I'm like, you know, what if you do look like an old hag? So what? You know, like if that's your look, I'm not going to be like, you shouldn't look like that. But also I'm like, are, I don't know. I just, they? I think I don't like it because she was so clearly like this, like, like beautiful, like ever powerful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was very yeah. much like she was giving feminist, you know, okay. like, yeah. and now all of a sudden it's like, you know, women are being demonized and there's no way you could be beautiful and powerful and a true goddess that's more powerful than all the others. You have to be an old crow. Right. And to add like the darkness of it being like, oh, she must be old and evil and whatever. It's like, exactly. okay. I'm So I was, I paused there cause I was like, I don't know how to express my in displeasure about that but also because a lot of most stories suggest that she never married or had any kids and so she's considered a virgin goddess gross okay. Okay. but uh <laughs> but because i mean think of witchcraft back then like or blaming people for which for being exactly. witches they were alone they didn't like have a, a man they, a spinster yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so very quickly you know the medieval times they they hit her rough and so she went from being a goddess to being like just the scariest witch alive. i see okay that's very interesting even alistair crowley himself said this about her hecate a thing altogether of hell barren hideous and malicious the queen okay. of death and evil witchcraft jesus yep that's Alistair Crowley himself. Harsh. Like, aren't you all about fucking witchcraft? Isn't that your thing? Like, geez. So Hakate became uh, the goddess of witchcraft very quickly after that, and people slowly leaned into her being more associated with dark arts and sorcery than anything else she was in charge of to begin with. Okay. So as someone who could go between worlds and realms, she was quickly linked to necromancy, plus the fact that she was able to talk to the living and the dead. She right. literally knew fucking Hades. All of that on top of the fact that over time she became an icon for rebellion, resistance, and breaking the status quo. Mm, love it. Because if you remember from last episode, I said that at a lot of crossroads, one of the reasons that they think they're incredibly supernatural is because a lot of, quote, undesirables were buried at crossroads because oh, they that's weren't right undesirables like unbaptized children yes if you weren't <sighs> if you weren't uh religiously fit to be buried with the rest mm -hmm. of your friends and family you were buried at crossroads so it, it theoretically so that way you would get lost at the crossroads and not know how to find your way back just insane so because a lot of quote undesirables were buried at crossroads she somehow got like written into the narrative where she's like in charge of these undesirables good for her and so she kind of took she kind of got this um reputation as like being in charge of the social outcasts and like being there for the social outcasts so uh that's really, that's really nice yeah so she became associated with the restless dead um those who were ousted by society and people would then leave offerings for her so she wouldn't leash the outcast spirits on them which like <gasps> um this led her to being like seen as one who rejects the norm and thus crossroads became the center of these spaces where people could you know break out of you know society's oh, expectations of I them love that so that's one of the reasons why she's so popular amongst witches today, especially because she's a big figure for social minorities, especially right. in today's liminal cultural shifts you know so if you're feeling like a social outcast the crossroads where hakate is protecting them is a really you know warm spot to it's be a powerful place yeah 
And she's also still worshipped not just for that, but for any type of liminal event. So if you're moving houses or a job change or if you're going through, you know, family stuff, like any event at all that leads to transition and change, people still think of Hakate as the person to go to. And that's and pretty that constant. I mean, all transitions, the like that's just, that's life. Yeah. So she is still always uh wow. being worshipped by someone in some way usually a crossroads and i'm so glad i didn't cover her last week because she's that a badass she did deserve her own episode for sure anyway that's hakate my friend you did great that was so fascinating i like never would have thought something that about like mythology would be this interesting no offense but you know it's just not usually my jam but that was great I might do a future episode on just how she's like somehow the goddess of ghosts. I mean, I know she talked to people in the underworld and, but I feel like how, I feel like she probably has so much more to her that I still didn't even get to I feel cover. like you and I, I like know. have somehow missed something like <laughs> goddess of ghosts. I like, yeah. I just wonder like why, again, I know we say this all the time, but like, why didn't Latin class talk about that? Like I would have been paying attention, you know? Well, also like think about like, synchronicities because i really just looked at her as an, an additive to my story on crossroads and now she's the literal fucking goddess of ghosts like how did that <gasps> happen you know <gasps> she knew she knew what she was doing she knew she knows um good job em thank you are you ready to jump into my crime story i'm ready to, not jump but i will dip a dip a little piggy in <laughs> you know <laughs> Stop talking about your piggies. Even Di- I are going to dipping. Look, I'm, I'm going to just... citizens arrest you any second. You can't because I'm so far away. So I'm going to do it. Me and my piggies are going to, all 10 of them, they're going to run away from I you. I can't and I'm stand see it. it. I can't cope with it. What is your issue with my piggies? I, they're just. Do you want me to even go there or should we just move on? They're clean. I didn't I... say they weren't. Um... I'm just saying that's the only that's the only thing a second person should have an opinion about with my little piggies. You know what I'm saying? Hey, comment <laughs> below. Like and comment. Comment below if you like when M calls their toes their little piggies, and then we'll see <laughs> what the consensus is. M, we'll see I don't what the want... consensus is. I don't. All I care about is your opinion. You know. Well, you've my... got my opinion. Yeah, but I'm gonna change it. Don't worry. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Well, me you know how well little, that me you and know these how, little piggies they can't be stopped. You know? you know how well that goes when you tell me you're gonna change my mind. I think that's gonna be yeah, you're like literally just created a lost cause for yourself. So congratulations. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Okay, this is the story of Janet Abaroa. And do you recognize this? Yes. Okay, why? <laughs> because Apparently you requested this and I didn't know that. I don't remember requesting it. I must have, but I, I, the, I think I did it knowing, oh, future M will forget. Um, uh, she was a teacher at my school. What? Yeah. Why was that not in the information that was given to me, Emothy? Uh, cause I probably didn't say it. You didn't um, say it. You just were like, oh, look into this. No reason. Yeah. Uh, She was a teacher when I was in second grade, and her husband was the, I think, soccer coach at the same time. What the fuck? Both at my school at the same time. And I have 
Uh, I don't, but my, I have friends who remember her, and they remember the beginnings of what you're about to tell. Oh, they remember- my God. Oh, my God. So what do, do you know? <laughs> I so remember I remember only her face. I don't remember her teaching me at all because she wasn't my actual she wasn't my teacher, but she what was. What did she teach? Do you know? Spanish? I don't know. I mean, I don't I think know. she's taught Spanish. Oh, my gosh. And uh, the story is going to be about domestic violence. And uh, my friends remember her. Um, their mom was also a teacher at the school. And so they remember their mom, like hiding <gasps> her in different rooms when the husband would come looking for her on their lunch breaks. Oh my God. Okay. Wow. I see. I didn't know they were, t- they worked at the school. I, they talk about how they both worked at the same place. Yeah. Um, it was my school. <laughs> well, apparently, well, you'll get, we'll get there. Well, maybe uh, multiple times, but one, one time was at my school. Yeah. Well, apparently uh, yeah we'll get there because um mm-hmm. okay interesting interesting and wow okay so do you know like the i know the ending you do know the ending yep. and you know like the okay well we'll just get into it okay this is if not I fun have, for if i have commentary to. i will bring it up please do please do so let's jump into it april 26 2005 Raven Abaroa called 911 at 10.45 p.m. absolutely frantic. He was screaming to the dispatch that his wife, 25-year-old Janet Abaroa, had been murdered in their home. He told the dispatcher, my wife, she's dead. She's been shot. There's blood everywhere. When police arrived, there was no sign of a robbery or major struggle in the house, and the couple's six-month-old son was in the nursery next door, but mm-hmm. he was completely unharmed. <laughs> you're making me nervous like you're going to be like, wrong. No, no, no. I really, I don't have as much information as you think I do. I, It's very minimal. I was seven, so. Uh, that can't be right. Were you? I was, and then they moved to the Carolinas or something. Oh, I thought you meant you were seven when this happened. I was like my only memory of any of it I was seven so oh I, I see I see I was like I don't have much to offer I was like you are making yourself younger and younger with each episode we do okay <laughs> I'm making... just 19 leave me alone <laughs> you're making me the crypt keeper all the time <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the house thank god the baby's okay um but uh there's no sign of a robbery or struggle and so the the murder just is it adding up as like a random intruder? So Janet Christensen, uh, which is her, um, what's wrong with me? Maiden name, apologies, Mm -hmm. uh, which is her maiden name. Uh, She was born the seventh of 10 children and she grew up social, patient, and kind. She was confident, smart. Young kids looked up to her. She absolutely loved children and family friends said children gravitated toward her. She was also a born athlete. She was extremely outgoing. She was on the soccer, basketball, swim team, made friends wherever she went. Just a very sweet, outgoing, kind person. Mm -hmm. When Janet graduated high school, she went to play soccer at Southern Virginia University. Where's that? I don't know. Oh, well, that's (laughs) where I thought. I was like, here's your commentary. Oh, never mind. Never heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's where she met her future husband, Raven Abaroa, 
and she was 19 at the time. This was 1998. And Janet actually had a boyfriend when Raven came into the picture. But Raven was persistent, which always rings as a red flag to me, but okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, According to those who watched him woo Janet, apparently he swept her off her feet. One friend said she was convinced that he was the one. He was very charismatic. He knows how to talk to people. He's Prince Charming, and she fell hard. Mm-hmm. And another of her sisters said that he tried very hard to make everyone believe he had the perfect life. So as for Raven, he was very sociable as well. So they both had these outgoing personalities. He would make the room like him, was one quote by a friend. And Janet was no exception. She was pretty much infatuated immediately. But Janet's sister Erica remembers being wary of Raven right off the bat because her first impression was that Raven was trying too hard to be liked and she wasn't sure why. Which I know that I've sensed that in people where it's like, I, you don't need to like prove anything to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you meet somebody and they're just trying really hard to like impress you and you're like, you know, you can just be chill. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I I know that feeling of like, why are they putting on such airs, you know, or trying to impress me? I know. Yeah. It's like a, you're really giving a lot of energy. Right yeah. Now. A lot. Like, a lot. Yeah. Really frenzied energy. And, and I, for I'm, what? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the bandwidth for this. Thank you. <laughs> so Janet's brother, Mark, felt the same. He remembers that from the very beginning, it felt like Raven was hiding something. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where that same thought goes to my mind of, like, if somebody is, like, trying to prove something to me, I'm like, why? Like, what are you trying to either cover up? And we've talked about this before, where when people are lying, they tend to give way more details. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, that that's just what that reminds me of. So when Janet brought Raven home over Christmas, the entire family was put off by him and his performance, which is a nightmare to me as someone who cares a lot about what my family thinks about I will tell you partners. oh it is a complete I've been there um and yeah. knowing I mean, me too and it's not fun it's not fun to know that everyone in the room hates each other especially um, then later when you're like oh they were right oops well I was going through the thing where I knew everyone was right I I knew how terrible this person was and uh we, we just kept writing till dawn, I guess. And then, Isn't that uh, fun? Isn't that Then I had fun? to do the whole apology tour later and be like, oh, I knew what was going on. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, I can tell you, I do remember him more than her at school. I think I really, I think she was our substitute teacher a handful of times or like during like after, we had like an aftercare program. Um, I remember interacting with her like, twice and i remember her being very kind but quiet mm. and then but him i remember him having like the crazy eyes like you know what i'm saying like oh sure i remember knowing like oh like don't make him mad at seven yeah. see like and he was a coach you know he was screaming at children like i can't <gasps> imagine being one of those kids oh my god but i remember him walking around the school and i would just be like oh like something something's off with that guy whoa okay see now we're really getting the behind the scenes folks <laughs> the only time it might ever happen folks, i don't know i'm but... like are you connected to any other murders because i want to hear your input um I, yeah all i know about her is she was very quiet but she was also i thought she i had like a like a school kid crush on her but just because she was really pretty but that was all i knew about her i never really had many interactions i just thought oh that's a cute teacher yeah that's so wild how i know 
worlds collide, crossroads, you know. Oh, you know, that whole thing. Anyway, so her brother Mark remembers when I met him, I was just uncomfortable. I felt like he was trying too hard to charm me, trying to charm everyone, trying to win people over to make them like him. And it just to me, it felt forced. But to other people, it worked. Mm. Mark was right. One day, by the way, Mark at this point was like a teenager and he described this on an episode of 2020. It was kind of shocking he said one day raven randomly accused him of stealing money which he Mm. didn't and mark says raven snapped he said you don't know who i really am and what Mm. i'm capable of oh my god and then he grabbed mark by the back of the head and slammed him against the wall (gasps) and this is his wife or his girlfriend's little brother who's like a teenager jeez And Mark said, I'd never seen someone's eyes turn like that, full of rage. He didn't know know what to do. To know that that was before he came to work with children is also so scary. Oh, God. I didn't even think of that. He decided not to tell anyone, the brother, uh, least of all Janet, because he he didn't want to cause trouble for her. And she was so happy. And, you know, he didn't know what to do. He was a teenager. So he just let it go. Raven, meanwhile, kept playing the innocent, smitten boyfriend. Uh, In in an interview, he says that he found Janet attractive and felt so much comfort when he was with her. In the end, Raven won over Janet's family as best as he could because, like Janet, he was a devoted Mormon, and that was really important to her family. Mm. Janet's faith was extremely important to her. She was said to always carry the spirit of Christ with her everywhere she went. So it was really important to her that she married someone with that same view. And so when uh, when he showed up, when Raven showed up in the picture, she was like, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Raven talked constantly about his faith and his mission work in Peru. And two years after they met, Raven and Janet were officially married in August of 2000 at the Mormon Temple in Washington, D.C. They then moved to Durham, North Carolina for a new job opportunity. And while they were there, they were they would they were known to make videos for their family who was not living in North Carolina. So for one right. Christmas, as an example, they emailed a video Christmas card out to wish everyone they loved a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And in this video, Raven shows off his favorite gift that he got for Christmas from himself. And <laughs> it's a new knife. <laughs> cool. Oh my God. Okay. Uh-huh. Woohoo. Oh, yeah. And he apparently collected knives, which was his favorite hobby. So it seemed like they had the perfect life. That's what was coming across. Raven bought them their first house. They each owned a nice car. Raven even had the motorcycle he'd always wanted. They were very active in their church and their community. They were both from big families and felt a little lonely in their new homes. So instead, they befriended their neighbors and sort of created this like community, like this family with their next door neighbors. Hmm. They became close with one local family in particular, the Dowds. And Janet once told Tim Dowd that Raven looked up to him as a father. Like they really took on the role of like pseudo parents to the to raven and janet while they were living away from their families yeah so three years into their marriage here's the first big bomb that went off raven tells what is wrong with me raven tells janet he has a confession he was having an affair okay 
With several women. Oh. Yeah. And he decided he wanted a divorce and he walked out of their marriage. So not only is Janet heartbroken at this point, but she realizes pretty soon after that she is pregnant. Okay. Wow. Great. So she went to the Dowds for advice. She was crying. She didn't know what to do because on the one hand, you know, her husband had broken the vow that was so important to her, the the religious vow, the the relationship vow. Um, but on the other hand, you know, she didn't want to raise a child as a single mother. And so she was really struggling to figure out what to do. So Tim, the dad or the, you know, pseudo dad, got in contact with Raven and who, who remember looked up to him as like a father figure. So Tim contacted him and said, I read him the riot act in a major way. What the hell do you think you're doing? You're married. Your wife is pregnant. You need to grow up real quick. So Hmm. Raven was like, you know what? You're right. He moved back in. He promised Janet that she and the baby would be his priority from then on. And uh, according to Janet's sisters, she told them that they were just taking it day by day and trying to rebuild their relationship and create, you know, a safe and loving environment for their new baby. Mm -hmm. So she didn't seem to really enjoy the wife part of the relationship. And I will add as my own commentary, if the guy I were married to was sleeping around with a bunch of people, I probably also wouldn't enjoy the wife part. So yeah, I would like, either hard to blame talk, her for that. Talk about fully valid resentment. Yeah, exactly. But she was, however, thrilled about becoming a mother. This was like a huge excitement for her. And he was born, their son, October 17th, 2004. His name was Caden. And uh, at this point, as can... You know, it's not the most shocking thing in the world, but it was uh, pretty hard on them. They descended into financial, basically, I don't want to say disaster, but really bad financial situation. Oof, okay. Raven was not managing their finances at all, and they were suddenly in really deep trouble. Their landlord, thankfully, was sympathetic and gave them a two-month grace period on their rent. And they turned to their church for help, who provided them with financial assistance as well. But that wasn't enough for Raven, because he pretty soon got busted at work for stealing merchandise and embezzling funds from his workplace. Wow. Okay. So this is solid. Not the school, I assume. Mm. No, no. No. Okay. So that already they've already moved to Durham, right? Oh, yeah. So they were so. Was it back when they were at Southern Virginia they, University? They they lived in they did all the Virginia stuff before they moved to the Carolinas. I don't remember. I think maybe she. I don't think she was even pregnant or had a baby in Virginia. Yeah, because that happened in North Carolina. So okay, that makes sense. So they they've already moved on past you guys. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, like them being married in D.C. in two thousand is kind of where it ends. <laughs> so. Oh, for, for, okay. On okay. my story, yeah. But I, but but earlier on, I, you know, my friends would tell me that like, you know, he was already incredibly abusive, and like, like the they would hear their mom talking about it, who was again was another teacher at the school, and a bunch of the teachers would like help hide her when he they would like get in a fight about something or he'd get mad at her for something, and he would try to find her at school. Um, or she oh might God. stay or she would stay later after school um, so she wouldn't have to go home right away or 
you know, he was also, he was a, a coach. I, I think he was a soccer coach. Um, and so they were always after school at school until five anyway. And so yeah. I think whenever they had to find each other or if he was looking for her, the teachers would, would tuck her away and they remember like bruises and marks on her. So, I oh mean, it was, God. it was already abusive before they even moved to the Carolinas. And that's, I, you know, those are uh, anecdotal. Hopefully, yeah, that's hearsay yeah. from our to- end. Total hearsay, but, but yeah. that those are, I mean, pretty direct contacts I have that can tell you those stories or yeah, that have told yeah. me those stories. So that is really, really dark. Um, yeah, that definitely is not something that was covered here. So you know, yeah, good, good insight to have. Um, that the yeah, at least all the teachers stuck up for her whenever they could. Yeah. They tried. They tried yeah. really hard. So. So, as I said, Raven got caught for stealing from his workplace. Um, the awkward part is that she worked at the same business. I don't know what it was, but they worked at the same company. And so she resigned out of, like, embarrassment. Like, she was mortified that her husband was stealing from their workplace. So she resigned. I don't blame her. So now she doesn't have a job. He's in trouble for, you know, legally for stealing. And their financial situation is just in the shitter it's like really really bad so an abc reporter describes raven as the ultimate opportunist he says that raven is the kind of person who doesn't care who he hurts or what is right or wrong he'll do what he wants to get what he wants (sighs) in the end yeah (laughs) commentary is that he's bad it's bad yeah So in the end, he pleaded guilty to the theft, and of course, now their financial stress is just growing every single day. Janet is trying to protect her son, and uh, she thought that meant holding on to Raven, you know, as Mm -hmm. the father, despite what he was putting them through. So she put on a brave face, and Caden was her motivation to keep striving for peace with Raven and trying to make it work. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, through all of these schemes and legal battles and, and her having to leave her job, like, it must have been a nightmare. And it also didn't seem like Raven was pulling his weight with the baby either. What a shock, you know? Yeah, Kel surprise. Well, Kel also, surprise. I, even if it were, I mean, I'm just imagining he's going through this, like, money stuff. He already probably is not, like, super in love with his wife if he was already stepping out on her. Mm-hmm. He's got this kid he feels responsible for. And he has, like, incredible anger issues, like... He, I can just feel the tension rising and rising mm-hmm. in their relationship. And it's every horrible. time she probably leans on him, even though she thinks she's doing the right thing, maybe he feels like more pressure because she's depending on him. But the, I mean, either way, she didn't do anything wrong. But like, I, I could imagine him finding ways to be mad for any reason. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like that that scenario we see over and over where it's like someone's walking on eggshells in an abusive relationship, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how gently you walk and how few eggs you break, you're still... You're always be, wrong. You're in, always wrong. You're always wrong. You're going to be the target. And um, it seems like that's exactly what was happening here. Um, she mm-hmm. was trying her best, um, as a lot of people do, and it just was not going her way. So... This is very interesting, Em, because it goes back to what you had just said. On the evening of April 2605, uh, Raven said he was going to go play soccer with friends. So you were mm. probably right about the soccer coach thing. Yeah. I just remember him being a coach, but I, I, it had to be soccer. It makes sense. Um, so he went to play soccer with friends. This was April 26th of 2005. And he left Janet home alone with the son, with their son, Caden. And Janet was on her way to bed when Raven left. 
On his way home, Raven stopped at a convenience store. Then he got in at 10 p.m., which is when he found Janet's body on the bedroom floor. Uh, on the 911 call, which you can hear in the 2020 episode, Raven was hysterical. He was crying. He told the dispatcher it seemed like she had been shot right mm. in the chest. And it's really, like, jarring because when you hear the dispatcher ask, how old is your wife? He says 25. And I'm like, God, they were so young. Like, mm. she was so young. It's just terrible. When police arrived, things seemed strange right off the bat. First of all, there was no sign of forced entry. Like I said, no sign of a struggle. It seemed sort of like Janet had been caught totally off guard and was killed without a big fight. Janet's family said she always locked the door as soon as she came home, so it was hard to imagine someone just walked in the door and killed her. Yeah. Next, baby Caden was unharmed in his crib in the other room. And if this had been like a random violent attack, you know, why did they leave the baby alone? Right. Um, could it maybe have been one of Raven's former affairs who had it out for Janet and came for vengeance? Uh, but, you know, they weren't sure. So Raven told them some things had been stolen and he said maybe it was a burglary gone wrong. And they were like, okay. So, you know, they stole your laptop but they okay this is what he said they stole his laptop and one of his collector's knives okay <laughs> okay um however they didn't steal her wedding and engagement rings which were on the counter uh or any electronics which is like the first thing that gets stolen in a robbery right police also found a bloody footprint and fingerprint and they were sure they had a homicide on their hands Neither the footprint nor the fingerprint matched Raven, though, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. That is interesting. But about 5 a.m., remember that uh, they had already ruled this a homicide. So that night, Raven calls Janet's family to tell them that Janet had died by suicide. Wait, so they already know that she was murdered, but now she, now he's saying actually she- she did this to herself this was they don't know yet they don't even know that she's passed (gasps) oh no he was the only one at home when the police arrived and he was the one who got the information that this was a homicide so now he's telling the parents different information correct so now he's calling so you know the the paramedics arrived like i guess 11 midnight like sometime late at night um and after taking a look around the scene, looking at the body, they determined it was a homicide. And instead of conveying that information to her family, he tells her family that she died by suicide, even though he's been told that's absolutely, you know, that's not the truth. That's not it. He didn't think he was going to get it's caught so in that weird. lie. It's like an obvious lie. They're going to find out. But they're going to hear from the police who are going to say, no, it was not at all a suicide. Yeah. What are you talking about? And who told you it was? He did. Oh, that's weird. Red flag. Um, You know, it's so funny. Well, it's not funny at all. But uh, the brother, Mark, had uh, he mentioned in the 2020 episode that uh, when he heard from Raven that Janet had died by suicide, he was like, even though he told me that, my first thought was he had something to do with it. Mm, Even if it was a suicide, even if it was staged suicide, like he definitely had something to do with it like that's how bad of vibes this guy was giving her family Jeez, i mean trust your gut trust your gut for sure for trust sure your gut. 
So like I said, Mark himself heard this news and was just in shock, but not a single one of Janet's siblings were convinced that this was actually a suicide. And she's one of like 10 or something, right? Yes, she is. Yes, all of them are like "Mm, firm Mm. pass. We know that's not true. Not even one of them. It's like nine out of 10 dentists agree. It's like not even one of them. It was like 10 out of 10, you know, everyone agrees on this. So they thought even if she had been secretly hiding her suicidal ideations, uh, they knew she would not die by suicide. She wouldn't do anything while Caden was in the house. Like there was no way that she would put him in danger that way. And they were convinced, convinced of this. So Janet's friend Kathy shows up and sees the yellow police tape and you you hear her tone when she describes this. It's so heartbreaking. She's like, it, please tell me that tape in the distance is around a different house. Not <sighs> my not my friend Janet's. And she gets closer and realizes it is indeed around her friend's house. And she hears that Janet has taken her own life. And she kind of does a double take also. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> no one's believing this. Nobody's Nobody. believing it. By the way, it's only Raven saying it too. So it's like. Not the officials haven't even said that. Mm. Oh God! Well, obviously they were all right because investigators had figured out that Janet had not shot herself or even been shot at all. She was stabbed multiple times. Stabbed? Yeah. So he's on the phone going, "She's been shot." Oh it, my God! What a dumbass! He's so stupid. What did he? What did he think? What was his plan? What did he think was going to happen? I have. No godly idea. I mean, it's one of those things, again, where you think, like, if I were to commit a crime like that, like, there's there's certain things, even when trying to cover up a crime you've committed, that you have to play by the rules. And that's, like, like not changing the story so obviously that you're going to look beyond guilty when people catch you. I wonder, my first reaction to this was maybe he wanted it to look like he didn't know she was stabbed. And just saw a bunch of blood and was like, she's been shot. And like, was just pretending like he didn't know that she'd been stabbed, if that makes sense. Like, because I I can see somebody lying, you know, lying there and like calling, you know, if you really didn't do it and you call and they say, what's wrong? Like, I think she's been shot, you know, or something. Like, I I can sort of see that. But, you know, knowing that how this story goes, um... That's my only guess. Like, my only guess is maybe he was trying to look like, I had no idea she was stabbed, you know? I guess so. But, like, I just feel like if you're going to straight up commit homicide, like, have a plan going into it that you think could be foolproof. You think. Like, that clearly was, like, an off-the-cuff decision. It's just not that, I mean, there's no right way to commit homicide. But still, it's just, like, it blows my mind how stupid these people are sometimes honestly how smart they think they are which is what infuriates me it's like they really think everyone else is so stupid that we're all just gonna fall for their bullshit but but then they just pull things okay yeah we're on the same page absolutely um so like i said she had not been shot at all not by herself nor by anyone else because she had been stabbed multiple times oh my god So Janet's family held a vigil, and of course, her killing was heavy on the public conscience. Um, Days after the murder, Raven went to basically left town to stay with family in Utah. Uh, And while this was happening, before she was even buried, 
Uh, he cashed in Janet's $500,000 life insurance policy and then left town, left North Carolina and went to Utah to, to be with his family. Wow. So, you know, Janet's sisters thought it made some sense, sure, if he's going through this trauma, to go be with family. But what they didn't like is that he just completely went MIA off the grid, was not talking to police, wasn't participating and organizing a reward. He didn't visit. He didn't reach out to police to see where the case was. And police said that was also very odd because usually if somebody's loved one has been murdered, you know, they're on the police's ass to get get it solved to get information to do you know and they said he just was like all right good luck and left and like gave zero shits so in the end he went on the news once and it was only to insist publicly that he had nothing to do with janet's murder so that was his that's a good luck yeah that was his one big uh foray into television and after the police questioned him he just let it all go uh and all his interviews some of them you can see in the 2020 episode, for example, but his interviews were very odd. Like he, he gave strange details and this goes back to what we said earlier. He gave strange details that contradicted each other and made the story just more convoluted. Mm. And he would change things. Like he would say, uh, Oh, the baby was asleep when I got home. And then he would suddenly say, no, the baby was screaming in his crib. And it's like, you got to like, Keep to one story. story. Yeah, Yeah. come on. And that's just one of the details that he kept changing. Um, But some people actually said, oh, no, that's pretty normal for him. He lies all the time to impress people and to try and get what he wants. So why wouldn't he lie about this? That does kind of go with the vibe of like over-impressing or over-performing. And like making up stories and trying to, to woo people. So Janet's sister became pretty quickly convinced that Raven was the killer, which is understandable. They never liked him anyway. They always thought he was a creep. And what's worse is that while Janet's family is busy trying to bring her killer to justice, Raven had started dating again. Hmm. Uh, He was in Utah and he met a woman at the daycare where his son went to school or went to daycare. And he, this, this woman was at first not interested in a relationship. She wasn't interested in him, which again, sounds like the last story Mm -hmm. where he's persistent. And, you know, it always is a red flag when someone says, I didn't want to have a relationship with him, but he was persistent, AKA pushy, Mm -hmm. just a huge red flag. And he, you know, she kind of softened because he said he was a single father and she was a single mother. And so she felt like, you know what? We have this connection. I'll let him take me out to dinner. They were also both Mormon. And so, again, that was like another thing to her that was really important. Her name was Vanessa Pond. And she described Raven as seeming very upfront, very honest and genuine. I found out that he was a single father and I really admired that. But then when Vanessa found out Raven was a widower, she immediately Googled him. Of course. Duh. Like anyone would. Um, she, her dad was actually a cop. And so she's mm. like, well, I just want to look into this dude. Uh, and so she does. She does some research online. And she said she watches all these, in- these his interview. He, she reads the articles. And she, she's like, I couldn't help it. I didn't believe him. She was like, I just felt like he was lying. 
Follow your gut. Follow your gut. She didn't quite follow her gut because oh, shit. she met up with him and said, hey, I have these questions. What the hell is going on? And apparently he was able to just twist everything around and convince her that he was innocent, that he had nothing to do with it. And the way his ex-wife or his former wife was killed was by an intruder. And she said he just somehow got in her head and convinced her, fully convinced her that he had nothing to do with it, despite her hesitations. <sighs> it is frustrating because, like, we were just saying, like, how is he so stupid? But also, it's how is he still so slimy that he can, like, actually... He's, he must be, like, that last guy we talked about, just, like, such a good manipulator that so. even despite your best efforts, you, like, believe them, you know? Mm. So she said he had these stories about how people were trying to frame him, about how horrible the cops were, how he was trying to find justice and blah, blah, blah. And so she said, you know what? Okay, I believe you. They moved in together. And in 2008, they were married. Now, this is three years after Janet's still unsolved death. And Raven clearly had fully moved on. Uh, only Janet's sisters were still looking for this killer. So sad. I can't imagine the the loneliness that's got to feel like. Yes. Yes. Like the abandonment, mm -hmm. you know? Like everyone so, else has moved on but us. Yeah, it's horrible. It's like nobody cares anymore. Even her own, the father of her child. It's just, it's horrific. When the sisters heard about Raven's engagement, though, uh, <laughs> they were like, we got to give that chick a call. Yeah, so, we got to let her know what's going on. That is what they did. They called Vanessa and they told her, you got to run. You got to yeah. run. Yeah, good for them. I know. And they were like, you know what? We didn't care about him being with someone. We just cared about her safety and well-being after yeah. what happened to our sister. And Vanessa remembers feeling absolutely heartbroken. Like she just could, she did not want to believe this man that she loved had anything to do with his wife's murder. But now there are the multiple people kind of telling her, like, you're in bad hands with this guy. Mm -hmm. Then it got physical. So here, you know, I mean, we all saw it coming, but I want to add one more anecdote that I forgot to put in the notes about, um, it was, I think it was the night of her bridal party or bachelorette party or something before the wedding. Mm -hmm. And uh, they got into an altercation and he threw her up against the wall mm. and was screaming in her face. Uh, and apparently he later then tried to gaslight her into believing she tripped. What? Just like blatantly was like, I didn't do that. You fell. <laughs> oh. Oh my, oh my god. God is so horrifying. Um and so, you know, the the marriage is going not well. Uh in spring 2009, Vanessa had the marriage annulled and publicly stated that she believed Raven was capable of killing his wife and that he likely did kill Janet. And oh god. she actually mentioned uh at one point that she believed she would have been his next victim if she hadn't escaped. Mm. And there I were times there were times where so apparently she, he was trying to he was trying to paint her as mentally unstable. Great. And she, 
she believes it's because this is so dark she this is i think from the crime junkie episode where i heard this but she believed that it was because he was trying to paint her to look like someone who might die by suicide (gasps) yeah oh that is dark but uh, it does make sense yep like she said he was just telling everyone like how wacko she was how unstable how mentally ill and you know she wasn't any of those things i imagine if you've been able to do it once before maybe the second time isn't is like he's just convinced or something yeah pull it off maybe he's like learning he's like well now i have to make it seem like she because you know janet nobody believed she died by suicide yeah he like he's learning from his previous mistakes yeah and that was, you know, her assumption of what was happening. Um, so we don't know. But thankfully, she was able to get out of there uh, safely enough. Makes total sense to me. I think yeah. it's a very valid guess. Yeah. Ugh. Recently, a new detective named Charles Soule had been assigned to Janet's case uh, because Janet's case was in danger of just going completely cold. So this guy interviews Raven and the way that he explained the way this detective explained his approach just was like had me it had me cackling because he said he played that kind of dumb witted small town detective to try and make Raven feel like he had the upper hand. Oh, wow. As a narcissist, like, yeah, you know, he loves that feeling. And so he was like, I just wanted to let him feel like he was in charge you know and feel so like smart. he had the power and i thought that was really genius mm-hmm. so uh, strangely these interviews took place over the phone but strangely raven filmed the interviews with his own home video camera like filmed Ew. himself talking on the phone so maybe so he could go back at, i wonder if it was also oh. to learn from his past mistakes to make sure he didn't say two storylines Oh, could, so like, he could, oh my God. So he, he could like, trace his own stories. Like, oh, practice his own script boy. or something. God, I didn't even think of that. He's like making like a self tape for an audition, but it's just yeah. to <laughs> keep his lies straight. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like, just side note, this is pre uh, iPhone, fi- like selfie filming. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that existed back then in 09, but like either way it wasn't the norm for that so he had like an actual camcorder he was using so wild so weird and he set up this tripod and he filmed himself as he spoke on the phone and then it gets weirder because after he hangs up he would look into the camera like he was on the office and do like a talking head commentary shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) it looked like he was trying to be jim halpert I'm like sorry, he, that's not funny. No, but it's ridiculous. He looks into the camera and he goes in these bizarre rants. Like he he hangs up the phone. He looks right at the camera. He goes, well, I didn't feel great about that. And then I'm going to quote the exact quote, okay? Okay. I feel myself getting frustrated. I'm not 100% sure why. You know, the more stuff I give them, the more stuff that gets leaked. I need to win the lottery. And if I were to win $3 million, I would dedicate $2 million to fighting this. Two thirds of my winnings, if you would. So Michael Scott wrote that. That <laughs> that feels exactly like something you would say in a talking head confessional on the, a only the office on and only maybe the Parks office. and Rec. Yeah. So he, it gets better. He goes, I would give, I would dedicate two million dollars to fighting this charge. Two thirds of my winnings, if you would. So oh, and to make Janet's name more recognized at Southern Virginia. So he's he's like, a, I would spend what two, a saint. What a saint. Exactly. So everyone was like, 
okay like you're like i would fight i want to win the lottery so i can fight this charge against me oh and i guess i would put do something in her honor maybe as an afterthought sorry but also you so you wouldn't be willing to spend all of your jackpot savings to get yourself out of this pickle Oh, That's love that hypothetically he won't even say he's going to use all three million. He's like, I'm yeah. only going to use two of my three invisible fake dollars. me going to jail is not worth all of my jackpot being spent. Yeah. Um, even in a fake world where I'm the one making up the storyline. He story needs line. some money for, you know, extra ramen in prison or whatever. Jeez. I, I don't know. It was just so bizarre. And so he would like do this. Uh, and the, kind of the oh, by the way, I'd also do something for Janet as like an afterthought. Is yeah, just, thanks so much. Ugh, so cringe. And you could just tell he was unnerved. I mean, he he basically said, "I'm unnerved by this. I don't feel good about this." Uh, after that phone call, and. In the 2020 episode, I know I keep mentioning it, but I just want to give them credit. Uh, there was an FBI agent or former FBI agent who was interviewed, and he said, narcissists think they're clever, but when they keep talking, they're just giving police more information, mm-hmm. which is so true and so fascinating. Like, we see that when when narcissists get caught for crimes because they just got too cocky and they just felt invincible, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't. You know, you're just walking yourself right into jail, basically. <laughs> right to jail. Straight to jail. Uh, <laughs> but Detective Soul, even though he was pretending to be a small town dummy, uh, was not. And he had actually quite an acute eye for detail. So while he was reviewing crime scene photos, he noticed something nobody else had noticed before. Is this the part that you know about? Like the ending? Like the no. plot twist? Oh, oh, I don't know how it ends, I guess. Oh, this is like what made this case like notable. Not notable. Oh. That sounds terrible. But like this is the kind of like um, hook of this case if it's being covered on I television. thought the ending was that Raven killed her, was killed Janet. Oh, that I was mean, the ending. I didn't that know. Is, he, that is an even, ending. Yes. I didn't but... even know about the previous, the next wife or the next fiance or anything. I know. Oh, any gosh. Of that. Yeah. So here we go. This detective soul, he notices a contact case on the bathroom counter with the top off of it, indicating that the contacts were probably not in there, Mm -hmm. which would be contrary to her going to bed or Mm. as Raven had said, in bed already and going to sleep. Yep. Now, for some people, this wouldn't mean much because a lot of people do accidentally or intentionally sleep in their contacts from time to time but it's not safe to do unless you know they're specifically made for that um but janet was very intent about removing her contacts every night um she did not go to sleep in her contacts uh and so this is a thing where her friends and family were like if her contacts were not in that case and she was wearing them she was not in bed like she would have taken those out wild okay wow so get this they have to exhume her body to take her contacts out of her eyeballs. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So, I I know I just skipped a bunch of lines because I was like, guess what happens? But uh, I will go back. No, it makes it makes sense to to make sure that she was actually awake. In contacts. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 
anyway, if the contacts were not in their case, she probably wasn't really in bed. So uh, the clue was really suspicious, paired with the fact that there was no sign of a struggle, um, especially with a stabbing death, because usually a stabbing death is a very violent, bitter fight. But it just right. seems like she had been caught off guard and was killed pretty, pretty quickly. So they exhumed her body. And, you know, hearing the family react to this is terrible because they're like, we just want her to rest. And now we're digging her up again. And, you know, mm. and obviously it's it's in honor of the case, but it's still heartbreaking. I also can't imagine the the mental load of like just trying to be done with all this. And like now, you know, like her body's still being like yeah, messed the, with. The closure like, is just not happening. Yeah. yeah. It just feels like like picking off a scab that yes, absolutely yeah. has not healed yet yeah it, yeah ex- that's a great way to put it so they exhume her body um but you know the family agreed because this is for the case and uh guess what she was buried in her contacts so mm-hmm. they determined Which, she was not asleep when she was killed aren't autopsy people supposed to like check if there's contacts in your eyes I don't know. I've heard that they check, which maybe my mom just told me because I was so weirdly paranoid about it. I've heard that they check if you're in the hospital, like mm. f- like if you're, for example, in the ER or ICU. But I don't even know if that's true. That My mom might have just said that because I was – I remember I had this one freak out where I was like, Mom, what if I'm in a car crash and they don't take out my contacts and then my eyes fuse together? And she was <gasps> like, Christina, they're go- don't don't be insane. So, I, f- I, I feel like I feel like it would be incredibly cheaper if autopsy techs started doing that instead of us having to exhume a whole fucking body I mean, I and think re-traumatize the, f- the family. <laughs> the first time it's been relevant whether someone okay. was wearing contacts. I don't feel like this is a common occurrence, but yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, the more information, the better. I would argue. So sure, it's sure. Pro- you know, I feel like when in doubt, maybe check. Yeah, it's a good point. Sure. Um, so, you know, they didn't know it would be relevant, but yeah, so she was actually buried in her contacts, which means she had not been asleep. So Riven was arrested and charged with first degree murder in 2010. And while investigators built their case, okay, this is wild. They even put contacts in pig's eyes and buried them. Oh, wow. To show how decomposition affects contact lenses to assure a jury that Janet was buried in her contacts and that they hadn't like disintegrated or that they weren't wrong about that information. They wanted to prove that she was buried in her contacts. Got it. So when the trial began in 2013, uh, Raven's ex-wife Vanessa actually testified. And she said, when he sees weakness, he just comes at you harder and harder. He Mm. told me how much he hated me and how much it didn't matter if I died. Oh my God. But the evidence at this point, as we can probably all guess, was circumstantial at best. Uh, There were still missing puzzle pieces like the bloody footprint, the bloody fingerprint that didn't match his. And so it ended in a hung jury and a mistrial. Before the second trial, Raven's attorney entered in an Alford plea for Raven. Do you remember what this is? It's like every so ever so often I bring it up in a case. Um, Basically, it's when a defendant says i didn't do it but i know that there's sufficient evidence to convince a jury i did do it Mm -hmm. does that make any sense yeah they're basically saying i they're saying like it looks bad i know it looks bad (laughs) yes exactly like i didn't do it but i can see 
the risk of going to trial because they might be right. convinced that I did do it. Like I, I see how everything's turned against me sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he acknowledged there was evidence to convict him of Janet's death, but, uh, he, he did not want to admit to guilt. So he's like, but I didn't do it. So people felt like it was a total cop out. Vanessa said, that's not justice at all. It's just not justice. Um, and so in 2014, he was found guilty of voluntary manslaughter and he was sentenced to only seven to 10 years in prison, (gasps) which means he's out now. But he was granted time served for the four years he had spent in jail awaiting trial. <gasps> so he's really out now. He's out, 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 out. So oh, after his fuck. sentencing, nine years after Janus' murder, Raven said to the court, I would just like to state that I didn't receive a fair trial the first time. I don't think I'll receive a fair trial a second time. I don't think it's worth risking the possibility of spending the rest of my life in prison for something I didn't do. I take this plea to ensure that doesn't happen, and that's the only reason. I didn't kill my wife. He was released on Christmas Day in 2017, and he still lives in Utah. Does his son? What's the, Where's the son? Caden? I don't know. I don't know. Is he with his dad? I mean, I'm assuming he's Oof. with his dad. Um, Janet's siblings and Vanessa all hope that women in the future will recognize the signs of manipulation and abuse in their partners and get away while they still have a chance for safety and freedom. Um, I want to tack onto that. You know, I found it really admirable that Janet's sisters took the time and went out of their way to call Vanessa and say, like, you're in danger, even though they didn't, it wasn't their responsibility. But I just thought that was like so see something say something yeah i thought that was like really i don't know respectful and mature of them yeah definitely especially to say like hey we can't get our sister back but nobody else needs to hurt yes yes exactly even though their sister wasn't coming back that's a great point so ultimately vanessa told abc please don't be drawn in and please get away as fast as you can Mm. and that's the story of janet abaroa and i'd like to say here that i know he was convicted of secondary manslaughter um so all of this is alleged (laughs) and sure i don't know what really we don't really know what happened i don't know the bloody footprint and fingerprint throw me off i will say that yeah that also throws me off i i wish there was an answer to that but there's no clean cut you know answer but either way he was an abusive asshole and uh definitely definitely had the potential to hurt or kill his partner the way that you can he definitely acted. agree he was an abusive asshole and intimidating do you even like what he did to like janet's brother like yeah. throwing him into yeah. a, like f- yeah fuck off with that yeah. yeah at the very least he was an abusive narcissistic asshole so whatever happened you know whatever beyond that is uh something we may never know mm. well great well, thanks for that story you're welcome yeah, it, it is weird that I could finally say I knew somebody in a story you were telling. But I, I had I also, no idea until, like, the episode. I, my memory got jogged when I was hanging out with um, high school friends. And they were like, do you remember Miss Abaroba? And I was like, <gasps> kind of. And then I ended up going through and, like, looking at, like, you know, pictures and stuff. And, and But, yeah, it was – it's weird. I definitely remember him more than her, but it's probably because she really did seem so – quiet and he definitely had a very intense mm. energy to him mm-hmm. um but yeah and yeah 
that's it just what a wild time because we brought it up at the woodward remember i was like when we were rehearsing for the for the live show and i said em did you request something called Jana Abaroa and you went no and I was like well somebody said you did uh and oh. then uh, I told Eva and Eva was like oh it was probably because of the contact lenses like maybe you th- knew about the contact lens thing and wanted to hear about it so I don't think any of us knew well you didn't even know you requested it I didn't I for- know that I totally forgot I think I was person. I think I was so in rehearsal mode I was not thinking about I think anything you were else. like not wanting to listen to me anyway um understandably I was, sure we spent a lot of time together that day um but yeah okay wow wow anyway Crazy. and uh yeah and the o- truly the only information i can give is what i've heard from others but just that like Ugh. they very much remember ha- like hiding her from him when he was in a bad Ugh. mood which like uh, it's just horrific certainly tracks with our theory of how things went down but again all alleged so you, you know, know oh, man and i just gotta say like as part of I don't know. As part of this whole thing, too. What was I about to say? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I just saw an email come in from one of Leona's daycares, and <gasps> and you got your you got your thing. You're freaking out a little bit. Sorry, a little bit. It just says that she's first on the waiting list, <gasps> but they oh. don't know if anything will open up. I'm like, oh. what does it mean? No. Well, I hope that they squeeze her in. This is almost worse than just being told no, because I'm I like, know. well, shit. Okay, sorry. I, I'm so sorry I derailed. I uh, no, you're okay. Go go handle ah. that, and I uh, I, I guess we'll we'll see you all next week, folks. And uh, and I we'll guess do, I'll be we'll talking do an about... after chat though after I pee and look at this email. Okay, cool. Sounds <laughs> right. Good. Right. And... Are we still good for that? Uh, I have a doctor's appointment. I need to get to. Oh, then let's do it tomorrow or another day. Okay. Uh, sounds good. Anyway, it's been real. <laughs> It's been real chaotic all of a sudden very quickly. Ah! <laughs> the energy went bananas. <laughs> and that's why we drink. Caesar's Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesar's rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.